Hi guys, welcome back to Into the Light, a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. First things first, down there's the subscribe button. Come on, do me the favor, press it because you would be silly not to. Otherwise you miss all these fantastic interviews because life is too short. I will certainly not stop in uh, anytime soon with having wonderful guests on my show because I'm learning so much from them. And, and here's your chance to, to be on that path with me, guys. So press the subscribe button and tell your friends because for sure there's so many people out there who need to hear that there's hope and that there's whatever shit they're going through, that there is a way out. When we're in the middle of it, we can't see it. That certainly was my case. Yeah. But no, this, there is hope out there. And all the people that I bring onto this show will show you how they have done it, how they have transformed. And if they can do it, and look at me, if I can do it, for Christ's sake, come on, you have got a very fair chance. And today we have got a man here, Chris Robinson. Chris is a man who absolutely embodies exactly that will to transform, that will to change. He is a man who was on one path and then decided, actually, no, this is not where my heart is. This is not where the, the real me wants to be. And he changed in his life. And look at him now. He is, he is the new and improved man with a very different passion and very different uh, path. And he is with me here today. And it is so great because he is a man who will talk about those precious beings called men those kind of beings that normally shut up and put a staunch upper lip and boys don't cry and all that fucking bullshit, honestly. But uh, here we are, Chris. I'm so pleased that you're on my show and that we can discuss the, the issue of men being men and being our own worst enemies sometimes. And it's so nice to have someone like you who is actually looking after us precious things. Chris, welcome to my show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I've been anticipating this for a long time, just waiting. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Chris, uh, tell me, it is, it is so wonderful to hear a man actually focusing on, on men. And when I look at the demographics of the guests that I have on my show, 90% are women. Uh, so it is the dash that women are so much better in talking about things and, and communicating and maybe accepting help, whilst that is certainly not true for us as men. Um, and regrettably, myself included, for a long, long time in my life did I refuse to seek help. How did your story begin? Were you always a man who was brought up with emotions? Were you a man who was, who as, as a teenager was able to debate and, and be open about yourself? Or how did you grow up? Yeah, uh, the, the answer is no, not particularly. You know, I grew up as, as most men grow up and that is being taught uh, to be self-sufficient, independent. Uh, I loved athletics. Uh, I, I played American football. I have to distinguish there in this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> True. 
you know, and so always around uh, athletics, always around other guys, uh, always in the achieving and competing mode, right? And there's no room for emotions and feelings in that you either perform or you don't perform, right? And so I, I, I went through my youth and my adolescence involved in sports. And then I went to, to uh, university uh, here in Texas, Texas A&M University, where I majored in building construction and engineering. Very much a male-dominated curriculum, very much a male-dominated field, uh, graduated uh, from that and took a job in the construction industry, uh, which is where I, uh, I sought my vocation for 35 years. Again, around men, negotiating contracts, making sure that uh, hospitals and office buildings were built properly, um, learning to use the language of the of the men in the field, right? And there's no room for emotions and feelings uh, there either. But as I grew older, and I and I I'm a spiritual person, and I started thinking uh, about the time that I turned fifty. What else? is there for me? What is it that I do to give back? And, uh, you know, I started giving that a lot of thought and I reflected on my career and over that career in construction, I had many men come to me who were asking about life balance because in the construction industry, as in many others, we get to work early and we stay at work late. And then what we don't finish during the week, we go back in and we finish on the weekend, right? And so I was dealing with a lot of men who, quite frankly, were burnt out and tired and trying to figure out how do they get up and come back the next day. And oh, by the way, how do we maintain any kind of relationship with, uh, with our family yeah. as well? And so there were a lot of guys who were struggling with this. And I was also involved in men's groups in my communities and did some men's retreats uh, and found on those retreats, generally as a, as a table leader or a speaker, that at some point in the weekend, many of the men would break down uh, sobbing because of the things that we were talking about, successes in life, failures in life, things that you know they perceived or believed about themselves, which generally was negative. And I saw this time after time after time. And so as I started thinking about what is it that I do to serve the community, after a couple of years, and I gave this a lot of thought, a lot of discernment, uh, I realized that counseling was the most likely option for me. And so I started looking into what that would take and uh, did some research on it. And in the state of Texas, where I live, you have to go back to school for a master's degree. You have to do a, a practicum period. You have to do a uh, internship period all of which uh, is about a, a six to seven year process. And uh, so I closed the computer and I said uh, to myself, well, that doesn't sound easy. 
So I'm going to think a little bit more about this. <laughs> and I did, but but it became an occupying thought for me. Uh, I, I got to the point where when I laid my head down at night, all I was thinking about was how do I help men? And when I wake up in the morning, same thing. When I'd be sitting at my desk reviewing contracts for construction, um, I would just have these these bullet thoughts coming through my head, counseling, counseling, and finally said, okay, that's it. Got to make a move. Uh, made my application for, for grad school, went back, got my master's in professional counseling and marriage and family therapy. Um, and long story short, uh, started my own practice called Summit Counseling of North Texas and wound up doing something that I never expected to do. And that was write a book. Um, guys from the construction industry don't typically write books. So here, here I am. So, you know, what I like to say is that what I did is I moved from a vocation to a passion. And that's what I'm doing now is I'm living into my passion, which is helping other men to work through the struggles that quite frankly, all of us have, we share them, but we're trained from that young age when we're on the athletic field or whatever it is that we're doing as little boys is that boys don't cry. Take care of it. Get it up. Put your big boy pants on. Wipe the dust off and move forward, right? There is no room for emotions in the way we're brought up. That is why I would be on these retreats where 50 and 55 and 60-year-old men were sobbing. Because the buildup is so severe, the stress that it creates is so severe. And, and when we do that to ourselves, we're not only affecting ourselves mentally, we are affecting ourselves physically. So we have to get over this stigma that has been uh, inappropriately laid upon us to the point that we are not allowed to express ourselves emotionally and share our feelings. Now, naturally we have to do that in a safe environment, right? We have to find the people that we can do that with, but that's what I'm about. That's, that's how my journey has come about. And, and there's more turns to it. I mean, within that journey, uh, there are uh, uh, struggles and, and addictions and losses uh, that occur. Um, that I didn't realize how they impacted me until uh, I got to the point where I could really sit down and evaluate my life and see if I was uh, moving in the direction that I needed to move in. And that is a point which is so beautiful. You came to that that clarity, that that you know, some some seed was planted at some stage in your life and suddenly it started growing. And that is so beautiful that you actually recognized what was happening and that you let it happen to you and actually followed that new path. So for that, wow, that is so few of us do actually recognize that many of us do feel it, but 
they they feel that due to external constraints or the way that they have been living, there's no way that they could now change. And uh, so where's the money coming from? And, and all these kind of things. There, there are good reasons why men don't follow through. But the problem, of course, is that is not the key question. The key question is the how can we essentially bring mental health and bring addictions, depression, PTSD, anxiety out there into the world and make it normal to talk about that? Why do we have to see friends dying of suicide? Why do we have to see people completely burning out? Why do we have to see men losing their relationships and getting divorced because they're unable to actually realize what is going on? But I mean, it's all quite nice for me to say that. I mean, for crying out loud, I was, uh, till my mid forties and forties, I was emotionally retarded. It is, it is, I was this- Welcome to the crowd. Well, exactly. I was, I was, (laughs) yay, work, 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 burnout. Work, work, Mm -hmm. work, 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 burnout. Mm -hmm. And I medicated heavily with alcohol. I needed to come down because I was working 16 hour days and then some, and the only way that I could relax was a nice, one nice glass, my ass, um, a nice bottle of wine. And then suddenly my shoulders went, ah. Yeah, yeah. uh, we'll find our escape. That's right. And so I, and it was, it was so bizarre. Here I am as a doctor, as a pain physician at that time, I saw all the stresses. I saw everything happening in other people. Did I see it in myself? Maybe. Did I accept it that it was happening in myself? No way. I'm strong. I'm, I was, the, oh, God, with hindsight, I was such an idiot. But that is how we were programmed, isn't it? This is, this is the underlying belief systems that were put into us at a very early stage. And, and believe it, guys, I mean, uh, who will listen to this to this talk? Not my 18 and 21 year or 19 and 21 year old sons who should listen to it. They think nah, that what he's doing is nah, 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 nah. I, I know it much better. So now it's it will be men of our age group. And we are recognizing those negative feelings, which by now start to pop up because there's only so much pressure you can put down to keep these emotions down. When these men were on these retreats, why did they come onto these retreats? You know, that's, that's a really interesting question because I think that each of us individually knows within our soul when something is off. (laughs) Most of us are not self aware enough to know what it is. We just don't feel right. Is it work? Is it the relationship? Is it uh, past experiences? Is it losses? Um, Is it feelings of success or or failure um, that that we are trying to, to figure out? And so I think that for the large part, the men that came on these retreats recognized that maybe something is not as good as it could be or should be, or maybe something is a complete wreck. 
Um, and, and we had men come on retreats uh, that covered that spectrum. And I think that when we start to speak in those retreats and when we start to have talks about how we live our lives and we start to share with each other uh, the, the pain that we've experienced in life, the things that we've suppressed, then it opens the floodgates of emotion. And, and that's where men, quite frankly, benefit from these retreats is that they recognize, oh my gosh, I just broke down and I sobbed in front of these men, but nobody made fun of me. Nobody told me to suck it up. They put their arm on my shoulder. They sat next to me and they talked with me and said, I understand. And that's not something that men are accustomed to, right? It's, it's, Hey, nice weather. Good weather. Yeah. How's the, you know, how's the football team doing? Great. How's your club? Great. Doing great. You know, we're going to do everything we can to keep things at surface level. And so when you have a retreat like we were having where you are confined to a space <laughs> and you are going to go deep, it's uncomfortable, uh, but uh, it's important to do. Because I think that men walked out of those retreats in much better mental condition than they came in. Who was organizing these retreats? Was that part of your church community or? This, yeah, yeah, this was actually done by uh, what is called the Emmaus community. Um, and uh, these, are, these are actually done uh, internationally. They have Emmaus weekends uh, in in all countries. Beautiful. It is including New Zealand. Very. I I was not aware of that that organization, and it is it is such an important bit. What you're describing to me is actually a mini rehab, uh, a mini um, mini time out, because that really was what what rehab was for me. I, my wife had, had booked me in um, and uh, made a voluntary contract, which I signed with this rehab facility that I would be there four weeks and obey to their rules and, and open up to, to a transformation. Uh, I put it this way now, uh, then it was just for me to get sober. In reality, I, it, it started the journey that went so deep and mm -hmm. into places and cracks and, and little, little, little valleys in my brain where no sun had ever shined in. And it is, it was the most beautiful, beautiful thing. But certainly speaking of this, this opening up for me, it was like a, like a release valve suddenly was broken and all the steam could come out when I was strongly recommended to actually say or talk about my what was going on and I uh, started talking about me and no one loved as you said suddenly I became like a canary I was singing like a canary I you couldn't stop me you couldn't uh, you couldn't shut me up 
because there was so much so much resentment anger mm-hmm. that was the, the over overpowering negative emotions it's directly followed by shame and guilt and then well, yeah, in, exactly. exactly that was that was me and if you mm-hmm. had asked me then who are you i said oh, I'm, I'm a pain physician i'm a doctor yeah, no, no, no. apart from that what do you mean yeah. I, I, i'm a pain physician and so i could not define myself there was we no men lose our identity isn't it? our identity exactly we work and work and work and then some and then you know that the few moments that we have got we distract ourselves we escape our emotions we escape with the help of drugs alcohol sex sport uh, whatever it is there is an, a big big thing there and and we, we keep up with the joneses uh we try to do everything to have that mask up and it's just crazy when you actually look at it it's nuts. It is such a mm-hmm. busy, hard life. For what? And then, well, when we say for what, of course, we, we have got the answer. If you ask yourself that question, then yeah, because you need to bring money in. You're the breadwinner, mm-hmm. or at least you're contributing strongly to to being being a survivalist, to, to, to let your family survive in uncertain times. So that's how, like, how we see each other, but yeah. Mm. And we lose, we lose complete perspective on life balance. Mm. I mean, we're, we're literally trained to be stupid in that regard. You know, it's, <laughs> we, we, we lose touch with ourselves. We lose touch with our identity. That, that, that's exactly uh, what I did. I, I was uh, in the construction industry and I was with a company for 17 years, uh, climbing the ladder, doing well. And uh, they made a change in leadership of the company one week. And next week, all of the leadership from his old company came in and all of the current leadership went out. Right. And it was that quick. 17 years, a Friday afternoon. You know, Chris, we appreciate your service. You're no longer with the organization. And that was a. Yeah, exactly. And that was a real a kick in the gut. I, I, I went home and I didn't, yeah, I was numb. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know uh, what to believe about myself because I thought that this is who I was, that this is what I would do until I retired and who I would be with. And I identified myself as an employee of this company, as a part of this family, because that's where I had poured myself into completely so that I could provide for what theoretically was most important to me was my own family. So you can see where the life balance just went completely sideways because of what we're trained to do as men, be providers, be successful at all costs, including the cost of your family. I don't know how many men in my industry I saw go through divorce, lose their families. And so when I say we're trained to be stupid, I, I mean it. I mean it. We, we do the wrong things. And, and it's not because we're not intelligent. It's because we don't know better. We're not taught better. And so this is, this is what my whole mission and vision is about at this point, you know, you and I have both talked about keeping emotions and keeping feelings in so that we do not get ridiculed, so that we are not considered weak, 
we're not thought of as less than. And that's really kind of where the title of, of my book came from. Uh, I don't know if, if you remember uh, in the 80s and the 90s, uh, Chris Berman with ESPN, uh, he was a guy who was just a, a really popular uh, uh, sports program host. And he had a segment in his shows every week where he would show these professional athletes making absolute boneheaded mistakes. A uh, baseball player allowing a ball to roll right between his legs uh, in the infield or a, uh, a basketball player uh, passing the ball off to the wrong team or a football player uh, intercepting a, a football and running it into the wrong end zone. Right. And with each of these absolutely ridiculous moves, he would conclude with the phrase, come on, man. And it was just a ridicule and a mockery. But the thing is, it was so funny to watch and, and his response to it. And we all got such a kick out of it. And as I was sitting here one day in my office, listing out just on a sheet of lined paper, all of the struggles that men deal with, I thought, what if, what if we reversed the ridicule and mockery of that, come on, man, statement and made it invitational? What if we said, hey, here's an invitation to connect. Come on, man. Come with me. Let's sit down together. Let's talk about the things that hurt. Let's talk about the things that struggle. Let's create a safe space in which we can do that. And the struggles that I had listed down on that line sheet of paper basically became the chapters of this book. Come on, man. So highly, highly important it is. I'm actually lacking the words to, to try to, to come out there to, to match the need or to express what I really feel about the need to be this open. We had in, in, in rehab, we had a 10 o'clock session and it's called Feelings. And it was it was the most hated session yeah, ever. Yeah, I'm sure, that was really popular. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are simple. Let's call it something else anyway. <laughs> no, no, the rules were simple. You had to sit around in a circle. No sunglasses allowed. No hat allowed. No other ways of hiding. No books. No nothing to write. Just you sitting there for an hour. And the facilitator was actually very good because he said. Hey guys, we're here to share our feelings. And then he shut up. And then there was this leaden silence. <laughs> and it's just everyone sort of, was mm. <laughs> slowly the heat was building. And then <laughs> someone said something. Um, and it, it could have been that he was pissed off that all the cookies were gone out of the cookie jar or that some, some other things. And it was amazing, amazing what 
each and every session brought along because suddenly there were discussions, there were heated days, there were emotions coming out where you thought, what the hell? Suddenly there was anger, suddenly there were tears, suddenly there were joy, there was, there was all these kind of emotions suddenly being coming out. And it was both men and women who were in this rehab and I if I remember rightly, it was actually a bit more women than men when I was in that particular group, in that intake. But uh, we were all so unable to express our emotions. And it was really that, that four weeks of rehab that I had where I was taken out of my bubble or taken out of my, my life and put into this bubble where I felt safe, where I could actually express my emotions. And that is such a powerful thing. So for you guys out there listening to actually have this ability, God, it is, I always keep saying every every 18 year old should have four weeks of rehab mandatory. Okay, it, it is part of your life. It is like like a draft uh, in, in the military. You go for four weeks in a rehab where you actually learn emotions, where you learn the, the, the all of the, the tools and the skills that you need, at least being introduced to you, those kind of things. Now, yeah, that comes with a price tag. In my case, there was $27,000 um, for, for the rehab. Now, most people don't want to invest it. They probably should, and it would be the mm -hmm. best investment in their life. Right. But that is unfortunately not, not feasible for many people. But guys, if you feel that you are not right, then you're already pretty down the line, okay? <laughs> you're many years down the line uh, by the time you recognize that something is not right. Typically, the people around you have recognized that about five years before you. Um, but of course, any good-meaning person who says something, you brush off uh, rubbish, what do you know, kind of a thing. So here you were, construction industry. Um, a lot of changes happened in your life. You became a counselor. You actually followed your passion. And now you're out there and, and providing that service to men, which is fantastic. But there are so many men who probably don't recognize that need, who are not yet there. They have not yet felt so much pain that they get shaken and that they finally wake up to seek help. What would mm. you say to these, these probably 95% of men in our age group who are not yet there? How would you, how would you, what would you recommend them? Well, you know, that's, that's actually the reason that I wrote the book is because when I started talking to other professionals about specializing in men's counseling, they were saying, well, that's uh, man, that's a really noble cause and, and much needed, uh, but you'll go broke doing that because men don't come to counseling. Right? And, and, and that's where I started thinking about, okay, how could I get the message out, right? So that men can, can recognize through a resource, through a reading that, okay, here are the struggles, here are the things we face. Exactly. And you're not alone. You don't have to come into counseling, but hey, here's some material for you to become a little bit more self-aware and maybe determine whether it would be helpful for you to come into counseling or better yet, 
just to connect with another group of guys. And, and that's really what I come into because this book was not about building my practice. This book is about helping men connect with other men. And so I encourage men. And, and what I do personally is I go out and I have coffee with many men in the community. And, and I talk to them about who are you connected with? Mm. Who are the two or three, if you're lucky, guys <laughs> that you could rely on mm. for anything? You know, you could tell them anything and you wouldn't be laughed at. They would walk alongside with you. They would empathize with you. Right. So what I'm trying to do is get the message out there for men to get connected with other men. Don't go to a bottle. Don't go to gambling. Don't go to porn addiction. Don't go to things that are going to isolate you because that is addiction's best friend is to isolate somebody. Right. So what I'm trying to do is get men connected with other men, whether it be through your church or whether it be through a community organization or whether it be through a group of men at work uh, who may be like minded with you. Find people who have common values with you. Um, find people who are emotionally mature, who are spiritually mature, who can help you. Right. And not become a stumbling block to you. So the idea here is simple. It is connectedness. And if you don't have those connections right now, look and see how you can find them. I, it, and it takes intentionality. It doesn't just happen. You know, you're going to say, oh, I don't know. You know, I've tried that for years, but I'm, you know, I'm never able to uh, meet anybody or I'm not in the right places. Well, you have to go look, seek. You have to put yourself in the right places for doing these things. It could be a biking club. It could be a running club. It could be anything that uh, is important in your life that you know is important in other people's lives that could cause a connection to be created. May I give though the example that if you want to learn how to run a restaurant, then you probably want to look at successful restaurants. You don't Absolutely. want to look at the dives that are just about to close tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you seek connectiveness to find your inner self, a rugby club is probably not necessarily, or American football club, is probably not necessarily the place where you can share your 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 uh, your really deep inner feelings. Uh, let's be quite clear about that. So that's where the intent intentionality comes in. You need to know what you're looking for. You need to know what you're striving towards because otherwise you surround yourself with people that you might gel with. Like I had many, many friends. I was a social butterfly. Well, these friends were essentially drinking partners. Okay, it was all quite right, good. Right. Whilst uh, whilst I was the part uh, the the center of the party, whilst there was always alcohol around me. The moment I stopped drinking, amazingly, <laughs> people fell to the wayside. Yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah. Want Those to were not with. the emotionally mature people that exactly. you want to connect with. Right. So, so you need to be quite clear. What do you want to achieve? You know, but what's interesting is that in each of those groups of what we consider the emotionally mature, we find people who want to be better. Oh, hell yes. Right? It's, it's interesting because I see professional athletes mm. 
And uh, professional athletes are no different than the guy who wants to open a restaurant, right? They're human. They have human feelings, human emotions. They are probably forced to stuff them down more than most. They are probably in more pain than most and least able to talk about it. And so when you look at professional athletes, and we've been seeing more, thankfully, thankfully, we've been seeing more professional athletes who are coming out and saying, I suffer from depression. I suffer from anxiety. Thank God that this is that this is finally happening, because what it has done is it has made it safe for other athletes to find safe people with whom they can speak with. And what they find is looking around. Well, there are more of us than we thought there were. Surprise, surprise. We're all men. We're all human. We all experience life. We all experience pain. We all experience hurt. And so it is important to connect with the people who are aware of that. Right. And I think as we're able to do that, it's kind of like just one at a time, one at a time, bring another man into the fold. Right. And we'll all go through this journey together. I think that is so important. I mean, it is. it can be very dark in one's mind when you have actually not started a journey yet. You've got all that pain that's building up and it's starting to come to the surface and you're looking for outlets and, and it is, and you feel, Oh my God, it's, it's I can't possibly see a counselor because yeah, that would hopeless mean, and helpless. Exactly. And that would mean that I'm a failure that I'm actually admitting to something. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I can't have that. And immediately there's this shame and guilt bullshit happening there. But I always say, guys, do you really think that the top athletes on this world, that they don't have a coach who's there for them and helps them to be their best, the the best self in their sport? Of course they do. They all have got psychologists, they have counselors, they have got coaches. They are there to get the athlete into the best physical state as well as mental state. You take that as a given, but here you are, you as a normal person who's going through shitloads of pain and shitloads of problems. And you say, Oh no, no, I don't need, I don't need a coach. I don't need uh, someone who is helping me to become the best person. You think why and how, where's that coming from? You're not a failure. If you actually say, Hmm. I, I'm 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 struggling. In in New Zealand, we have got a campaign. Uh, it's okay not to be okay, and right, yeah. that is so important. We are There's not strength a strength in that. That's not weakness. There's strength. Absolutely. To be able to say that. Absolutely. And it is so beautiful. It is a it's a culture that over the last maybe seven years I've I've tried to to grow within my organization within my theater environment as an anesthetist, and it is. So heartwarming if I come to work in the morning and one of my nurses comes to me or one of my technicians comes to me and says, hey, look, I just want to let you know, shit has happened in my life. I'm probably not so so focused as I usually am. I just want you to know this openness, this honesty, this, it just humbles me 
And, you know, it's if uh, some people get a really good bear hug from me and and they're very much appreciated by those people who, who maybe have not had enough enough hugs in their in their life. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Once you start opening up, once you actually are open about your own struggles and allow there for others to tentatively come out and tentatively actually try how it feels to actually look i'm not all right and the answer is that's okay i'll look after you yeah. just make sure that you get enough enough drinks and if you find somewhere a quiet corner just crash for half an hour or so and take some time out um you know these kind of things once you look after your team suddenly the productivity and the the gelling and the teamwork is so much more beautiful it is mm -hmm. so it it has changed in my theaters and it's a beautiful beautiful feeling so yeah it is we all need to decompress we need to find that space yeah and you need to be you be safe and and by actually saying hey today i'm i'm below par because i'm i haven't slept a wink last night because of x y and z that's cool we all are going through these days so let me protect you and tomorrow i'm going to be in shit street and and you're going to have my back so here right. you are by suddenly opening up, you are giving yourself permission to be the real you. You've given permission mm -hmm. to yourself to actually say, okay, today I actually need to put the brakes onto that freaking hamster wheel and, and just try to live my life more focused on me, what I really need. Yeah, so and isn't the idea of being ourselves and not having to wear a persona around unburdening. Isn't that freeing to think that, wow, I can be myself. I don't have to wear this mask. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And people think they, they are failures. They are, they are, you can't possibly do that. On the contrary, since all of us have gone through so much shit in our lives, there is such a huge need for us to lead by example, for us to actually just do it. And for example, I mean, one in three people are chemically addicted. So you're an addict out there, one in three people when you look around. And that's a hell of a lot of people in your work environment. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter where you are. I have met uh, addicted pastors, I've met addicted, uh, any any strata of your society, any person with any color on the skin, with any religious affiliation, doesn't matter. I've met them, and they they were all struggling, and they all mm -hmm. they all found alcohol or drugs or sex or eating etc. as as outlets of escaping their reality. Would it not be cool to actually instead of escaping, which means the reality is still there and you're just, you know, when you come down from whatever you've had, well, great. You now have got still your reality, but you've also got the guilt and shame of having escaped from your reality. Would it not be cool to actually just say, yeah, I'm actually not feeling right. I actually haven't felt right for the last year. And I actually might want to have a chat with my family physician. I actually want to have a chat with my GP and maybe just, open up and say bodily I don't feel right and maybe that leads to 
a really good discussion that you're burning the candle on both ends and in the middle. And it turns out that you're burned out. Or it turns yeah. out that you your vitamins are completely shot. And that's the reason you've got a depression. And suddenly, yes, we can give you the vitamins and what you need to, to get better from a bodily point of view. But it also opens the door to actually have a really good discussion about yourself. Yeah. You How know, I, you I think it's... I think it's interesting because when you talk about opening that door, um, I compare it to uh, walking into a church, right? And a lot of people won't do that because they feel too imperfect to do that. And they have the assumption that everybody who's in that church building has got it right. They've got it perfected. They've got it figured out. And, and it couldn't be farther from the truth, right? And so as you and I sit here and talk about this, as I was listening to you speak, I think it's really important for people to know that guys like you and me don't have it all figured out. We are not perfect. We, You and I have our struggles because the the I don't ever want the takeaway to be from a discussion like this to be well those guys have gone through it they passed through and and they've got uh, they've got it all figured out mm. because we don't none of us do um, I I haven't arrived at this point because I'm the smartest guy in the world you know I've I've arrived at this point because I probably made more mistakes than a lot of guys. And somebody just pointed that out to me uh, that Chris, you you really seem to be a fairly ignorant guy. How did you wind up where you are and write a book? Well, it's because I'm taking advantage of my ignorance. Right. <laughs> and so, so that's it. I, you know, I, I don't have it all figured out. I still have struggles in my life that I need to work through. I've got my men, I've gotten my accountability group that I meet with. Uh, I've got a group that I meet with every week. I've got a group that I meet with once a month. And I try to make it a point to meet individually with different men in the community um, on a regular basis for, for coffee or breakfast uh, once a week or so. And I do that for our mutual benefit. I do that for our mutual growth and our mutual connection. I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. I have done a lot of things that I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed of, that created guilt uh, for me. But one of the things that I recognize is that I'm not going to let those things identify me. I'm not going to, to um, camp out in shame. I know I'm going to make more mistakes. I know there are some mistakes that I haven't even thought of yet. But trust me, I'm working on them, right? Yep. And, and, and I know that I'm not going to beat myself up and I'm going to be okay with opening the door, as you said, to other men and allowing myself to help open the door to them so that we can, we can really connect and we can figure out how do we be successful together in the way that we want to define our individual success, not in the way that society defines success for us, because that's going to be about having money, about having stuff, hmm. about, you know, 
being being the the, the best looking or whatever it is, right? Mm. That is not what success is. I think that when we explore our values and that when we properly prioritize our values, that's when we can start to set goals, right? And all of the decision-making that we make is going to be based on those values that lead into those goals. And, and, if, and if our decisions are not consistent with what our goals are that have been based upon our values, and the answer is no, that's not the direction we go, right? We align everything, our values, our goals, our decisions. And I think we start to be more strategic about living through our lives and saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to go randomly through my life day to day and wake up and see what happens. Let's have a purpose. Let's have a plan that's based on values that we've really looked at and explored and, and have no judgment on those values. You, you be you, right? The values that are true to you, who you are in your essence, that's what you need to be looking up. And that's what you need to be uplifting in yourself. And that's where your passion lies. Right. One of, one of the things that I say is that you're going to find your purpose in your passion. And that's what happened to me when I started thinking about making this transformation from the construction industry to helping people and in particular helping men. My passion was just on fire and it still is. It still is. That's been 11 years since I made that decision. And I'm still on fire about this every day. You have had a vision and you turned that into a mission. And that is so beautiful. Guys out there, just imagine that you one day make the call that you want to get fit again and you go to the gym. You probably will get one way or the other, you will get a, a set of workouts going. And these workouts are probably, you know, a certain stepwise approach that you start with those kind of sets of exercises, then do that bit of pause in between, etc. So there's a very clear plan for you to get fit again. So when it comes to your mind, really, there are equally exercises that you can do. But you need to have someone who can teach you those exercises. You can't, there's just not a gym, which is self-explanatory called life. And you walk in there and you see, ah, that's how that exercise works. You don't even know that this exercise exists. And that's exactly where a counselor comes in to actually sits down with you and actually figures out where are you at? And then helps you to develop yourself with a set of exercises. There are some triceps, workouts there are some biceps workouts well that's right so let's work on that shame let's work on that guilt let's work on on what are actually your beliefs why do you behave like that why do you fly in a rage when that topic is being addressed the only thing you know is you're you're angry as hell but you need some exercises to learn actually a When am I, am I going into this rage? Can I recognize that? And what is actually happening in my head? And then you need to figure out what is actually the, the, the programming underneath there that is driving that. 
It was not that your wife said something or that the, the proverbial toothpaste is squeezed and is lying there. No, rubbish. There's something else going on. And we can't just simply come up with the answer. Most of us don't know how to ask the question. Maybe your brain could come up with the answer, but be asking all the wrong questions. And that's again, that's where a counselor is so important to actually address your what is going on in, in your head. So I, I am so supportive of men actually just spending time with other men, but more importantly, spending time with a counselor spending time with someone who is trained to actually uh, to work with their problems. And it's amazing. Now, Chris, you will know that there is so much happening in people's lives. And it's the same as if you guys go to the gym. You don't just go three times to the gym. And now suddenly you're, yeah, that's great. You look, yeah, I am. I'm strong. You know, that doesn't happen. Neither does it happen when you do counseling or when you do, uh, when you start addressing your life, because you have lived maybe 40, 50 years with belief systems that were more harmful to you than, than anything else. Do you really think that you can undo 40 years of, of all that by just, you know, a 90 minute session with someone? Yeah, probably not, probably not. So this is a, this is a start of you stepping onto a new, into a new direction. But it's it's beautiful once you once you start engaging with someone, and these these discussions can be incredibly revealing, and then it needs to take some time because you need to to work through that, and 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 actually digest what has just happened. And then a week yeah, or two weeks later, something else happens, etc. So this is a path, and it's so beautiful that men like you are out there to actually start helping people onto that path. Um, so the, the, the counseling that you're doing, is that, uh, is that what kind of a framework do you set there? What kind of, how do you go about uh, creating a, um, a, a plan for your clients? Well, well you, ju you just framed it perfectly mm -hmm. um, because the things that you talked about are the things that are involved. You know, when I, when I have somebody come in, the initial session is an intake session, and it's really for me to learn everything about a person's background that I can and to give them the opportunity to get to know me. And sometimes uh, I'll do uh, two intakes, right, just depending on, on what their lives consisted of. Mm. But you talked about the beliefs that we develop over 40 to 50 years of living. Right. And so a lot of what the intake session is about for me is learning what it was like growing up as this person. What was your family environment? What was your uh, what was your family's uh, financial status? What were what were their spiritual beliefs? What were their communication styles? Right. Was it yelling? Was it quiet? We're not allowed to uh, uh, show our emotions or we show our emotions explosively. You know, all of these things are important. What patterns of abuse or what patterns of uh, addiction, uh, what patterns of mental uh, illness might have uh, been in the family? And so we learn all of these things. What types of traumas might you have experienced 
in your life. Because what happens, and, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir here, but what happens as we go through life is that um, our brain stores information, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a brain nerd, I'll admit it, uh, as, I, as I went through the master's program. And so I'll nerd out for, for just a, a moment that, that there is this emotional center of our brain called the amygdala. And it, it tells us how to feel. And, and the reason it tells us how to feel is for survival, because there's another region of the brain called the hypothalamus that stores memories, right? And so we have stored memories that create feelings and emotions that we carry through life. Our, our brains are the most powerful computers in, in, in the universe, what our brains can do is absolutely phenomenal. And so our brain functions in that style of when there is a perceived threat, we're gonna get emotional about it. We get emotional about it for survival because if we go all the way back to the times of the cavemen, right? Well, they come out of their cave and, and they see, you know, some saber toothed tiger out there that's coming at them, they're gonna run out of fear, right? That is survival, and that's what was needed, you know, from prehistoric times up to where we are now. And all of that was useful for living. And that has been passed along generation after generation after generation in our DNA. But now we don't need to be afraid of saber-toothed tigers anymore. But what might feel like a saber-toothed tiger to us is, as you mentioned, something that our wives said to us. Right now, that's perceived as a threat, a put down, maybe not to us physically, but our brains remember the the experiences of our early life. And we carry forward the DNA of all of the experiences of our ancestors. And here we are. Our brains are now functioning from a survival point of view. And so when we feel threatened or we perceive a threat, we immediately become emotional. And so when you say that we have 40 or 50 years of things to unpack, that's absolutely true because it helps us to understand that, hey, what I'm getting emotional about right now is really not about what my wife just said. What it's doing is it's triggering memory uh, maybe some things that my mom or my dad said to me, or maybe some things that my coach said to me that embarrassed me in front of the entire team and, and made me feel uh, shameful. Um, and I just heard something from my wife that triggered that memory immediately. And so an emotion came up that was inappropriate for the situation. Right. And so we learn to identify as we go through sessions and we get beyond the intake, we learn to identify how to deal appropriately with our emotions, how to ask the question, where is this coming from? What is it that I'm feeling? Let's identify the feeling. Why am I feeling this way? Where did that come from originally? And is it truly something that I should be emotional about right now? And I think in nine out of 10 cases, we're going to recognize, no, no, that's, that's, that response is not needed. It's not helpful. 
at this point in my life. This is not a saber tooth tiger. I'm okay. And so that is part of the process. And, and you're right. That takes some packing, unpacking. That's not just a matter of a, a week or two. Um, but it's also not designed to be a lifetime, right? Because what we want to do is retrain our brain to think more rationally, recognize what is a true threat and what is not a true threat so that we can move away from counseling and function as our own counselors. The, my, my objective is to put myself out of work with every person who comes in the door to help them get to the point where they can deal with their emotions, where they can regulate themselves on their own and recognize what is a benefit to them and what is not a benefit to them. And you're quite right. This is, this is a beautiful journey really that you're going on. And it is similar to you swimming in the ocean. There will be moments when it's all nice and calm. And then you can guarantee that within the next little while, there will be a big wave coming. And it is what it is. The, the ocean doesn't really care if you're angry about that wave or if you're happy about that wave. No one gives a toodle. That wave is coming. And it is something that we need to recognize life will throw us all kind of challenges that might be with COVID, it might be disease, it might be grief due to the death of someone, it might be grief due to you losing the job, it might be all kind of other social stresses that are out there. There will be new things happening. And when it comes to counseling, you're basically addressing one thing that right now is important. And you might come to closure with that. You have actually dealt with that particular problem and it's beautiful, that's great. So for me, the, it was the anger and resentment with regards to a particular uh, institution uh, in, in this country, which I had come to loggerheads with and which I perceived a lot of bullying from. And there, I put that baby to bed uh, over a period of weeks and months and that was beautiful. And guess what? Um, there was one onion layer peeled back. <laughs> I guess when you turn the onion around and think, oh shit, there's another little piece of, yeah, of yeah. not so nice yeah. stuff that well, you like reckon. The, the brain stores a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's sort of, it's an ongoing uh, journey. And you don't need to be uh, in counseling now for the rest of your life. But ultimately, once you actually made the connection that, wow, I had that problem, I actually dealt with it like a man, he actually spoke about the problem, he explored it, came to a solution uh, that you either could do something about it, or you could put the baby to rest because whatever happened, happened a long time ago, and there's nothing you can do about it. But you have now learned and recognized that maybe your response was actually no longer so helpful to you. So, And, and this is a process that takes courage to go through please courage so you want to be a man then counseling <laughs> that is the true measure of a man that's how i would look at at your growth as i would i would look at you as an as an emotional teenager if you haven't gone to counseling if you haven't addressed your emotions etc it doesn't matter how old you are in your body um so it is it is the challenge I put out there, the challenge to you guys. Uh, give it a shot. 
actually connect with someone and start to to open up as you see what happens. And my educated guess is that if you choose the right person, you will get so much out of that experience that you might get hooked on it, that you might actually say, hey, this was so beneficial. This made me feel so good. Yes, it hurt me at the time when I opened up and I actually shed some tears in this protected environment. But wow, I feel so much better. And what was to happen if I now address my struggling relationship with my wife in a similar fashion? What was to happen if I, if I think how I can be a better father to my children? What was to happen if I, if I install a new culture of openness in my work environment? Would that not actually change things to the better? Guys, once you start, that is actually, it's, it's an amazing thing because the only thing that changes is everything. It is amazing. It is a growth that, that, that happens where you don't want to stop. And that's why Chris and I are sitting here. It is, it is, we started that interview at 6.20 in the morning. Did you really think I want to get up at 6.20 in the morning? No, but the reality is I'm learning so much from Chris. I'm opening up and by just putting things into words, I suddenly got new realizations where I have to say, huh, huh. Just the way I thought I had dealt with something and, and now that I'm speaking about it, I realize, huh, I actually, there is still something festering there. And that is this beautiful thing. Open up, guys, find people uh, who can help you there and, and allow yourself, al allow the real you to come out, whoever that person is. And it might be a scared little boy that is coming out, but let's nurture that boy and let that, that boy grow. Um, and after all, you've hidden that little, that little human in you for a very long time behind this facade of masks, of, 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 of rubbish that we put out there to, to show that we're real man. Oh, God. So, Chris, if people have gelled with you, if people uh, like like the sound of you, how can they get hold of you? They could reach me at my website, and that is summitcounseling.info, summitcounseling.info. Um, and that's the best way. They can go. They can research me. They can see what I do. They can see uh, interviews. They can find information uh, on the book there. Uh, if they're interested in the book, they can go to Amazon and uh, and order it. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's so important that we understand that the power is within us to make change. We don't have to let life happen to us. We have power over what we choose to believe. We have power over how we respond to mm -hmm. thing to things. We we have power over the things that we choose to think about or not think about. And uh, you know, I, this is just something that you'll find repeated when you look up information uh, on me uh, on on how we can go about regulating ourselves and how we can go about uh, learning to be the men 
that we want to be and connect with the other men that we need to connect with, uh, as you said, to be to be better uh, husbands, fathers, employees, employers, right? All of these things we can we can work on, and we can make life so much better for ourselves and for those who we uh, care about as well. And guys, just look down there into the description of the video or of the podcast. You've got all his links down there. So easy for you to get hold of Chris. And whilst you're down there, you might as well subscribe to the video and subscribe to the podcast. Um, if you feel so inclined, leave a review and give us some feedback. Uh, sent me uh, some message and say, wow, this was really cool. Uh, tell me what was best of it and, and maybe give me an example how you have learned from that or what you're taking away from, from our interview. Because with that, we see where you're at and it is maybe your first step towards opening up because you're taking action. It is taking action that will get you into a better frame of mind. You can listen to as many podcasts as you want from now on until you die. If you don't take any action, nothing really will happen. That is unfortunately the, the truth. But by you speaking out, by you pressing the subscribe button, by you standing up, stretching yourself, and then saying to your partner, hey, this was actually a really good interview, Huh. let's talk about it. You have taken action. You have taken leadership. You have taken ownership. And that is powerful, powerful, powerful. It, it, man, there is no stopping you once you actually focus on the direction that you want to go in and then start putting little steps into place to actually get there. So, Chris, this was such a beautiful interview. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored that you came onto my show. I'm so pleased to have met you because we need more men like you out there to to do the, the hard work. You know, half of the population is men and we're imbeciles when, when it comes to, to really our emotions. It's high time that we that we deal with our Y chromosome and and allow allow men to decompress, to heal, to grow. And if we were to do that more in our surroundings, could we not imagine that, that maybe our world is turning a little bit better, that there will be less addiction, less harm due to alcohol, less domestic violence, less family harm, all these kind more of caring, things. More kindness, yeah. Would, would that not be a nice world? I mean, that's such a world that I would like to live in. And I guess that's the reason that we are doing this interview and that, that we are trying to do what we do one book at a time, one interview at a time. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to, to have connected with you today, Chris. Thank you Amen, again so brother. much. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you guys out there, look after yourself. Take action. A little step. Doesn't matter what it is. Just make one little step and see how it feels and then maybe make another little step in an hour or in a day but don't give up keep going those little steps and make this world a little bit better look after yourself Bye.